Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... I just had to trust that people that were going past me would probably slow up, but I could potentially maintain for longer. So it's just been set in your race plan and not letting other people's plans can influence your behaviour while you're racing. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. This is the show that delivers more motivation that you can shake a stick at. If you need a pickup, if you need a boost, if you need a lift, if you just need a nice, happy, bright smile on your face, then that's what we're aiming to do with this episode. And every single week we release full-length episodes. That's the show you're listening to, and we've got a corker lined up for you. Yes. Today. We do. Right now. Absolutely. Come we on. really do. We're really up for it. But what I don't understand is I don't understand the stick-shaking thing that you just said then. Because you said that it's it's more motivation than you can shake a stick at. First of all, why would you want to shake a stick at motivation? And no matter how big the motivation is, you could still shake a stick at it. I mean, how much impact the stick is going to have, I don't know. I suppose in many ways that depends on uh, not only the size of the stick, but the velocity at which you're shaking the stick. So I'm a bit confused by that. You pose this question, but actually what I probably should have added there is the fact it's a massage stick. Ah. So when you say how much impact would this stick have, mm. quite a lot on a runner... I feel. You know, good to get in there with the calves and the quadriceps and the hamstrings. That's the kind of... If I'm going to shake a stick... So help me God, it's going to be a massage stick, and it's going to be my quadricep, probably the good, left one, good. because I've been feeling a little bit sore. After the, after the weekend's last final ever, or not quite ever, but the last long run for the Manchester Marathon was at the weekend, it feels, as many runners will know, listening to this show right now, it feels so good... When you've chalked up that final, that final, 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 final run in the lead up to uh, a race, doesn't just have to be a marathon, of course, but with a marathon, the longer the distance, the taper period, the period where you tend to back off from the training, the volume, that tends to be a little bit longer than it does for shorter races, which makes sense because obviously a longer distance you're looking at racing, it just feels so nice. I mean, it's not completely kind of, you know, sit back, chill out, light your cigar, get the whiskey on, <laughs> feet up, Netflix. It's not quite that level. Wow. You still train, you're still doing stuff, my friend, but the pressure is definitely off. It just feels nice, man. It's just, it's, it's a chilled place to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you do during the taper period? And do I, first of all, right, I'm only doing that poxy little run. Do I get to taper as well? Do I get a taper? <laughs> Look, there, yes, you are, you are doing the Manchester... Where do I get to taper? <laughs> I want a taper. You, you are doing... Can I taper? The Manchester Marathon Relay 10K, you are, no, you're not tapering yet, so just, you just hang fire. Right. You see, you reaching for your running shoes to take them off. Don't unlace them. Just leave them on. No, I'm reaching for my cigar. I'm reaching for my cigar and the whiskey. And don't offend people. There's there's people listening to this show now that are probably doing the Manchester Marathon Relay 10K or they're doing their own 10K, some local 10K. Don't offend people. It's not poxy. It's not poxy. Jake, I called it poxy, but in reality, it's going to break me. It genuinely, it genuinely is going to break me. You know, I had the little injury last week, mm. and and I'm I'm still not that comfortable. And yesterday, I did um, I don't know about six k or something like that, forty minute easy. And it wasn't that easy because I kind of pushed it a little bit at times, and I probably shouldn't have done. But I'm knackered today. I'm just knackered. So I said it was poxy, but you know, I I can't do that. I'm a non-running guy. I'm a non-running guy. I'm wondering when you are going to lose that particular card in your deck. I, I, you can't always play the card of the non-running guy, but the, the tapering period is longer for things like marathons, of course. For, for a 10K, it is important to, to taper off a bit. I mean, there's lots of thoughts that I have around that that I won't get into now. We'll probably talk about that more on another episode, I'm sure. But with the whole tapering thing, it's important to realise that it's not a case of just backing off and doing nothing in all seriousness. That's important because what's the aim of the, the taper? Well, you want to reduce the volume primarily, so the amount of training that you have been doing for your race, you want to reduce that over a period of time. Again, a marathon typically kind of two and a half, three weeks, I think is fairly a fairly nice period to start thinking about bringing things down. So this is, we're three weeks out from the Manchester Marathon at the moment. That doesn't mean I'm doing nothing. They're still long runs, but they're just not as long 
or as or, or quite as intense as, as the runs that we have been doing. So that's where your body says, well, actually, I can cope with this, Jake. What you're asking of it today and this week, I, c- I can deal with that. That's OK. So we're trying not to provide too much stress that breaks the body down because you want to get fresh, recovered, rested. The mind as well, remember, because we know it's a, it can be a long slog when you're training you know, for a race, you've got a big goal. It, it can be a long slog. So having that breathing space or giving the, the mind and the body some breathing space is really healthy so that you're able to optimise performance on the day of your race. That's the idea. You want to feel ready to go. The key, though, the key is, is making sure that you don't back off too much so that you lose fitness. So there's a bit of a science, bit of an art behind it. It's not so easy. You have to kind of learn from one race to the next. It's not a case of, right, I'm going to do that. That's going to be perfect for me. You have to sort of learn from it. We say this a lot, don't we, when we talk to guests on the show. Reflect back over your training, reflect back on the race, make some notes, write it down, put it on Garmin or Strava or Polar app or whatever you use so you can refer back and make changes for the, for the future races. So it's just that, finding that sweet spot. Not, you don't want to burn yourself out, but you don't want to lose fitness. It's difficult. So your last long run that you did, um, how long was it? What did you do? Well, it won't surprise you where it was, first of all. It was back on the track. Uh. I am blaming Hour 7. We've had uh, the the, the, uh, the endurance team, the new endurance team. We've got a, a great guest again today from Hour 7, Joe Murphy. Really looking forward to you hearing the chat with her. We've got that coming up on the show. Obviously, we've had Damo Carr that is, I think, burned into our minds. Nobody can ever forget the episode with Damo Carr. And if you haven't <laughs> listened... I love that, man. If you haven't listened, go back and check it out. I love it. But these guys are doing lots of big endurance stuff, a lot of 24-hour track races and that kind of thing. So we were on the track again uh, in Winchester. We we weren't doing 24 hours, I hasten to add, but we did a pretty meaty run. We did 21 miles on the track and we put in some marathon-paced efforts as well. So it was it was four lots of five kilometres at marathon pace with 1K recovery, 1K float, 1K rest, whatever you want to call it. Basically, it was kind of an easy you know, 4K marathon pace. Sorry, 5K marathon pace, 1K easy. Did that four times with a warm-up and cool-down. So, And then we did a bit of a fast finish at the end. So it was 21 miles in total, big session. But throughout that, there were periods in that run where we were just... Because we were running together, myself and Martina, I mean, hopefully staying together in the Manchester Marathon. That's the idea, kind of, you know, running together. But mm. we, we just kept saying, look, let's support ourselves uh, like each other through this. And, and we sort of kept you know, blurting out here and there, right, you know, only X amount of kilometres to go or miles or, right, you know, think about the race day. Because that's really helpful to paint that picture when you are out there and you're not feeling it. And it doesn't matter what the session is. You, you mentioned your easy run the other day and maybe you pushed it a bit too much, but felt like a bit of a slog and you're feeling it today. Whatever the session is that you're doing in that moment, if it's not feeling super amazing for you, it's definitely worth thinking about, well, why am I doing this? What are the benefits? And if you can just, if you can create the habit of asking yourself that question, it comes quite easily. And, and you get to the point where you don't even need to ask the question because it's just, it's just on your mind immediately as to why you're doing what you're doing and what you're leading towards, even if you're not enjoying it in that moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It does make loads of sense. Um, you, you mentioned that Jo Murphy's on the show, and she is. We're going to get to her really, really soon. And obviously she's talking about the big goal that you've had for a long time as well. Um, she is she, part of the new Team Hour 7. The, the guys are doing some brilliant stuff, and those runners are just talented and it'll be so interesting to see how far they can go and how great they can be when they're given that professional level of training um but you asked her a question there and do you mind if i ask you it and you don't have to answer it but we talked about um you both having the same goal of getting under three hours in a marathon you have trained for Manchester. You mentioned in the call that we're about to hear that, you, you you know, sometimes over the last few years you've not felt it, so you're not in the right condition to take it on and, and see that as a target for you on the day. Um, what are your thoughts about it now as you approach Manchester now? Will that be oh, I- your <laughs> goal? Will that be your target? If you don't want to answer it, don't answer it. I feel like there's a team of you all working together to put pressure on me to attempt to break three hours in Manchester. I kid you not. There's no pressure. As we just started this recording session, I, I, I got a message flash up on, on the laptop here and it was from a, a very old friend of mine that I've been kind of, he's a lifelong runner, he's a, uh, uh, older than me, he's done many more marathons than me, he's achieved some great stuff. I, I messaged him the other week and he uh, he just dropped me a message. He said, oh, um, great to see the run at the weekend, Jake. Good run and mental preparation for, um, for the marathon. 
obviously he saw it on Strava, the upload. He said, is it Manchester and Sub 3? I'm like, oh my God, everybody asking me these questions. Yes, it is Manchester. Is it Sub 3? Well, I'll be very, very honest, as I always am on the show. It, no is the is the the answer to the question. So in my mind, it's never sub three. This year, at some point, I'd like to do that. Maybe back end of the year, Valencia, maybe Pisa. Not sure yet. Abingdon Marathon yet to decide. Mm. So we wanted to try and target as as close to seven minutes per mile as possible, which would get me somewhere near PB. So my PB is three hours and three minutes and, and like fifty six seconds. So as good as three oh four, right? If I can get somewhere near that, what yeah. that will do is give me a massive boost in confidence. That PB is twelve years old 12 years old so that right, would yeah, be amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we came off the track on the weekend and martina said do you think we could have a go at sub three i'm like what are you doing who are you speaking to whose side are you on <laughs> so I, I won't deny that it's kind of there's a little seed in my head but i think it's highly unlikely let's see how we feel throughout the taper but you know in all honesty we're looking at between seven seven oh five minutes per mile something like that aiming at around you know 303 304 305 depending on how far you run in the race because you never run 26.2 right you always end up covering slightly more through weaving past people and and whatnot so yeah we'll see how we feel on the day we'll see how we feel but i think i think it's oh i don't know let's just get joe on i I don't know i don't know this is a really good non-committal answer and i'm so glad that our guests are more committal committing committing whatever (laughs) that you are i mean i really am give me enough whiskey and cigars i committal to anything (laughs) for the show notes and video content Go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. As always, I'm very excited to be speaking to yet another guest on the Running with Jake podcast. We like chatting to guests that motivate us. are all into running, up for a good old chat about all things running. And today we have on Joe Murphy, who is in Fife in Scotland. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. It's a pleasure for us to have you on the show, Joe. Now, look, I, I just to set this, the tone a little bit for the podcast, we don't normally do small talk with our guests, but I feel that we probably should, based on where you are and the message that you sent me the other day, what's the weather like up there? How, how is it? <laughs> Yesterday, not so good. Today, it's glorious sunshine. Oh, come on. We'll take that. It's grey here. Oh. Drizzle. Oh. Grey. Oh, we got oh, drizzling man. grey hair as well. It's crazy. Do you know uh, this section of small talk, it. Jake, has been great. I love the section of small talk. My favourite bit. This is great. Yeah, we should you're do obviously more often. super up for all things running. You've got some amazing <laughs> things lined up. Set your sights on for this year. You're part of an amazing team. I want to ask you about how that feels and stuff. D- weather. Do you just embrace the conditions? Is there anything such as bad weather when it comes to running in your mind, or do you just go for it? Just got to go for it. I mean. I train in it, so I'm up for racing in it. I think you can't hide from the wind and the rain and every other element that Scotland throws at you, so you just got to get out there. I'm a coach, so I've been looking after some runners over, over the weekend, the, gut, the sessions that they've been doing, and with the wind and the storms and not so motivating for, for many people, you know, quite common, but somebody of your level and, and how committed you are, do you ever just think, oh, man, I'm not up for it today? Or do you, just, do you not even see the weather? Do you know what I mean? Do you just you just go for it and embrace it no matter what? I'll do my sessions regardless. If it's a particular session I've got to hit a pace, then I might opt for the treadmill. But every other day I'll just get out and I quite enjoy it. You come back feeling accomplished. It's dead true, actually. It's got, you kind of feel... You've got like a virtuous feeling, haven't you? It's like, well, I've been out there, you know, in the elements, and now I'm back, I'm nice and warm, I've had a share, I'm feeling good. You mentioned the treadmill there. I found that really interesting because I think for many people, it's not something that... It gets a bit of a bad rap, let's be honest, the treadmill, for, for many people. And it's not something you necessarily associate with, with somebody like yourself. Do you like running on the treadmill? Do you have like a certain kind of structure or certain training sessions that you will do on the treadmill or is it literally just a case of well if the weather's really bad and i've got to hit a pace as you mentioned then i'll jump on the treadmill do you have a good relationship with it yeah i don't mind it i mean well i run around the track for 24 hours so getting on the treadmill for an hour is more more than doable but it's not my preferred option if it's an interval session and it's short and sharp and it's about an hour then i'll opt for that but anything else i'm outside Rain, hail or shine. Now, you've got some pretty amazing performances under your belt, I think it's fair to say. Uh, performances in the 100... I can't even say it. This just makes my eyes water. Performances in the 100-kilometre and 24-hour events, which put you in the top four all-time Scottish women. 
That sounds pretty damn tough to me. What's your bag, Joe? What's your preference of those? Are, are they your two sort of main preferred events? And of the two, which is the one that is 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 the most favourable? The the one that you most enjoy? It's it's been a strange one because lockdown kind of really pushed my training on a bit. I had more time. Um, obviously, there was time where I was working at home for a bit, so I had less commute time. You weren't seeing as many people, so I was able to really ramp up the training. And then the Anglo-Celtic plate came about in August last year and I think I surpassed my expectations. I, I thought I was in good shape, but I didn't realise I was in that kind of shape. And then the 24-hour uh, Gloucester Elite race came in end of October and again, I thought I'll just give this a crack and it just went really well. So I enjoyed them both, totally different beasts. So like I can't even compare them, but I love them both. And you mentioned the Anglo-Celtic event there. Just for people that don't know that listen to the show, what, what, what is that? Yeah, so that brings together um, England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales. Um, all the nations are competing um, for a trophy. So, yeah, you've got teams of males, females and uh, you're competing individually, but as well you're competing for your country, which is pretty cool. And it's a bit of an honour to be able to do that. Going back, we can a little bit, because it's really nice to hear how people get to where they are and what you're obviously looking at doing in the future now, working with this great new team. I've obviously had one of your teammates on the show recently, as you know, Damo, who's a character, who's a great just ball of energy. It must be amazing to have as a teammate. I'll ask you about that. But it, it, how did it start for you? you? You ran a marathon back in, was it 2012? That was your first marathon. How? Because how, you'd been running from quite an early age, hadn't you? But when did it kind of take hold, the, the bug as it were? And also, not just the bug, but knowing that you had the level of ability that you do have, when did that kind of awareness hit you? I think everybody's kind of path's been cross-country at school and then go to university, kind of early, te- early 20s, you kind of dip in and out of running, but... I joined a club after I joined the police, so that was like 2007, um, and then it kind of ramped back up, and yeah, first marathon, 2012, and I said, I'll do one marathon, that is going to be me, I want to tick it off, and then it's just snowballed, but I'm kind of surrounded by people, like, either through my running club or my friends, or just the more running you do, the more people you meet, and the more you think, oh, well, could I maybe do that, and you want something a little bit more, and whether that's distance or pace... Or both. I just love a challenge, so it's kind of where I've got from marathon to twenty-four hour running. You mentioned that the, the, those words there about the challenge and whether it's distance or pace, because that is absolutely what it is. It's what is a challenge to the individual, and and how challenging do you want it to be as well? Some people want the super challenge. I know that that's something that you you know you're determined. I know this from from the stuff that you put on uh, Instagram and on on your profile on the on the Hour Seven website. You know, dedicated, committed, up for it, up for the challenge. Love the hard work. People choose their own challenge, don't they? Uh, and and how far away the challenge is from their actual level of ability. You know, how challenging is it? I think that's really important because it helps you to manage expectations as well. And not only that, it helps you to commit to the training because you can't just pick a goal, right? You've actually then got to do the work to, to go for it. That marathon that you first did, and I love that, you know, oh, I'm, I just won, I just do one. Yeah, okay, sure. What, what was the experience like for you? Where, where was it and what was it like? So the first one, they don't run it anymore, but it was in um, Loch Aber. It's just kind of north of Fort William in Scotland. So it was an out and back route. Um, I actually wanted to get into London that year, but I didn't get a club place. So that was the other alternative. It's run about the same time. It was April. So I did that and I actually did, just didn't know what the goal would be. I didn't have any idea of like time. Um, but I think I finished it in three hours 39 and I thought, well, there's my, my kind of mark. And then just my personality, I just wanted to do better. I wanted to do another one. I thought maybe 3.30 was achievable. And then I've just kind of chipped away at it over the last, what, 10 years now. Um, but I'm still hoping for that sub three. It's just I've never really managed to get that. I've done London a good few times, got 3.03, 3.01, 3.05. Um, so this year, hopefully at Edinburgh, I could maybe dip in under the three hours but it just depends Come on. I've got other, other yeah. big goals <laughs> exciting it's funny isn't it because it's it's making sure that everything fits together like a jigsaw and I'm sure you, you with your experience you will know this and take ownership of this and, and map the path 
that's accurate for you, but also with the team and the people you've got around you, coaches and things, it, it's really important, isn't it? Because it's very easy to think, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do the other. But actually, how do they all fit together? Is the synergy there? Because what you don't want is them conflicting with each other and then you risk not achieving what you want to achieve in any of those kind of events. That's yeah. sub three. It's such a target for so many people. It's a target for me. Regular listeners will know to the show, I have never achieved it. I've gone close. I've only attempted it twice because you know what it's like. You know when you're in the shape or not. And when I've not been in the shape, I've not simply not attempted it. What do you think it is about sub three that's that's so appealing for you? And what's missing? What's stopping you from going under three? My last marathon I did in 2019, it was London. And I, I went into, I think I went into that one, it was about four or five weeks after my first 100 kilometre race. So I had no expectation. I was like, I'm just going into cruise round it, 3.30, perfect. But I actually got a 3.09 that day and I got a negative wow. split. And I just, the second half of that run, I was, I just, well, I smile all the time when I'm running, but... You could not wipe the smile off my face. I just wound up, felt amazing, was passing people. And I thought, right, okay, this this is when I'm not fresh. This is when I'm not properly trained for it. So I, I do think, I think sub three is achievable. I think it's it's this target and I don't know why I have it. I just have it. I'd love to see a two in my marathon time. And I think it correlates really well to your 100k time. Because when you look at people's marathon to 100k, they kind of, there's a, a bit of a ratio you can do to work that out and mine just doesn't look right just now so I need to get a current marathon time um, It's good, good motivation that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a, so for yourself it's really important but like you say the, the kind of using some of these um, calculations and algorithms and stuff and, and sort of measures of performance it's really useful and if you think well actually you know if I, if I can start with a two my finish my finish time in a marathon that's going to put me in good stead for the longer events I think there's a real driver there isn't there to, to kind of achieve that I, I'm really interested to know and it's not just about the sub three but I can relate to this and for, for other people their sub three might be sub two hours 30 it might be under five hours you know it's, it's a goal that's challenging for them as we said earlier it, what, what's the psychology of that I suppose sub three in your case it, it, does that come into play is there almost a, um, a fear of three does it do you feel anxious about it is it something that you feel super cool about and you know it's going to happen because obviously you, you've attempted it you've got close you're not quite there you know it's probably going to happen at some point how does the psychology work for you of going under that time i think i feel excited about it i think when i didn't achieve it and i think i got 30 at london in about 2016 or 2017 and i thought i had really set myself up as like i'm definitely in sub three shape this is going to happen and i think i was maybe oh i don't know i had maybe half a mile to go and i knew i'm not going to do this it doesn't matter what i do here i just it's impossible now and I think I'm a different runner now to then when I did that back kind of five, six years ago. And I think I view it differently. I think I have to believe that I can achieve it. Otherwise, I won't do it. And I'll probably then go into it with a negative mindset. But I feel quite positive about it. It's funny, isn't it? The mindset stuff and the belief. I, I, we love talking about that on the show. And it is having that belief. There's times when I've had belief in something that I want to achieve, whatever that is, Joe. And there's been times where I haven't had that belief. And guess what? I've not achieved it. Because I don't think it's just about the execution on the day in terms of running races, although I'm sure it is that as well. But it's putting in the necessary work. Because if you don't really believe it, it's oh, it's a little harder to commit to the sessions. For, certainly for some people perhaps listening to this now, if they don't feel that they can go under 30 minutes in a park run, for example, there's less chance of them getting out and committing to the sessions because, well, I'm probably not going to be able to do it anyway. Whereas as you, yeah. you start to build that confidence and that belief, I think it, it's where momentum can kick in and take over. And that's where you start to be a really consistent runner and it starts to be an integral part of your life. And then... You post photos on Instagram with big beaming smiles like I see of you all the time, which is just <laughs> awesome. You mentioned about smiling when you run. Do you just love running irrespective of what the session is? Do, do you always enjoy your runs just being out there? And what is it about running? I do. I love it. It's been, it's been a bit of a therapy for me kind of through my teenage years. My mum passed away when I was 16. So it's been somewhere I've gone when I've just needed some time and I've ended up just, I love it. I love, it's kind of a bit of a, it's almost a bit of a punishment. I like to push my body to the absolute limit. And I like I like that feeling. I like really pushing the boundaries. And I just, I do, I just love it. I love the variety that running um, brings, whether it's trails, roads, track, uh, cross country. And I just enjoy it all. So 
yeah, I can't imagine my life without it. And running where you do, I mean, I know your favourite place to run is the, the West Highland Way, somewhere, unfortunately, I have never ran, I have never visited, I would love to at some point, who knows, but that environment, I imagine, must be so special. You know, putting performance aside for a moment, you talk about some of the drivers for you, uh, losing your mum at such a young age, you know, finding running, good for headspace, all those things. Being in that environment, that must be so helpful for you. I mean, is, is that your bag? Do you love that sort of terrain? I've just got so many good memories. I've run the West Highland Way race a couple of times and it's obviously, it's 96 miles and it's such a varied route and it, it's stunning all times of the year. It could be summer, winter, and it's just glorious. Like, nothing... If you ever go up and you drive through Glencoe, it is the most beautiful. It's postcard. It's it's just amazing. And to be able to run on those trails and then be relatively close to home... I mean, within a couple of hours, I can be on the West Highland Way and have a day out with my friends. And I just enjoy it. There's no time pressure. We just go out, we just enjoy the trails and enjoy kind of the scenery and just have fun you know it's really nice to hear from someone like yourself joe that that plays a role in your running as well obviously you're very driven big goals but you you know you also want to enjoy it and just connect with your friends and just get out there and get the fresh air and the scenery and be in that environment i think that's really important for people as well looking ahead what's the big goal for you i mean this is super exciting i I mean i'm excited i'm not even part of it hour seven we've had damo (laughs) Carr on the show he knew nothing about the team which is why we've got you on now that's not true actually it's not true (laughs) it's not it's not a complete lie it's not a complete lie it's certainly not a lie i mean it really i mean how how competent is he in real life because i was concerned about him i'll be honest joe he didn't he didn't know what was going on or what he was involved in he didn't know any of the distances he'd ran or had to run or anything it was i mean did you hear the episode i did and to be honest yeah the demo that you had on the show was the demo that pulled up that day and left his car keys honestly he was late he left his keys he had to run back and yeah it was just I just thought this guy's a whirlwind but the performances he's achieved and this guy can't even like get his way to a meeting point through a map so I think he's pretty incredible but yeah that that is the true demo that was on the show I presumed it was. I mean, he's been in touch every day on WhatsApp with uh, voice messages, and it's just, he's just right, he's the rock and roll runner. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's selfies now. We've, we've progressed. I got a selfie at the weekend. Sunday evening was a selfie. So uh, he's really mixing things up now. I'm interested to know what I'm going to get from him when he listens to this episode with your good self, Joe. I'm very intrigued to know. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. If you're listening to the show and you're thinking, what is this all about? I've only just found this, this, uh, this show, this madness that we produce each week, go back and listen to the episode with Damien Carr. Damo, top guy. Uh, that's episode 112. You can go and check that out and you'll find out exactly what we're talking about. But was this the first time you met him when you did that photo shoot? You, you had a photo shoot yeah. in, uh, in Cheddar Gorge, wasn't it? And all the team got together and this is a new team all to support ultra runners and, and effectively give you the support that elite athletes have. You know, this is super exciting. Is that the first time you got to meet everybody? Yeah, well, I've met um, Ollie and Sam before because they take part for England in the 100 kilometres. So I have met them. I've kind of uh, run at other races that Sam's been at, like the 24-hour stuff. Um, but it was the first time of me meeting Kirstine, um, Mike, Stocks and Damien as well. So, yeah, it was just nice to get everybody together um, and kind of see what everybody was about. And what difference do you think being part of this team? And it's a big question right now, I appreciate, but what what impact is that going to have on your training and, and more importantly your achievements moving forward do you think? Yeah I think um, it's potentially got a lot to offer um, we're obviously talking about the, the kit side of things um, so that's obviously a big help um, the psychological side so kind of prepping you for races because you go from being a kind of club runner to getting selected maybe for Scotland like I was and then the potential to move up to Great Britain and you do get a bit of imposter syndrome and you think, oh God, like, am I going to perform well enough? So I think that side of things, just making sure that the mind is in the same place as the body um, and obviously the physiological support as well, doing a bit of lab testing, um, seeing how our bodies kind of burn um, energy and fuel and, um, yeah, just taking it from there. So there's, there's loads of potential. I think it's just going to be a case of seeing how it pans out and seeing what what we, we do take from it and obviously all our needs will be individual so 
I might benefit from certain areas that other people might not need. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you might find that the further you go uh, along this path, venture along this path with a team, that there may be an area that you perhaps overlooked a little bit that, that actually is such a significant piece of the jigsaw, not just for sub three, but beyond and all the other achievements, uh, achievements that you perhaps don't even know about right now, you know, looking way into the future. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how, how it all maps out for you. I really do. You mentioned the imposter syndrome, and I really appreciate your honesty there, Joe. Um, and it's great. But I think we all have that. So it's really good to hear people say, look, you know, there are occasions where I'm, I'm like, whoa, what's happening here? Am I am I good enough? I'm, I'm now part of this team or am I able to achieve this? If you do have that, we know you're determined, driven and have a great relationship with running on the whole. But when you do have doubt creeping in, whether that's training sessions, whether you feel you're good enough, not good enough, races, all that stuff, training... How do you manage it? Do you, do you have ways of dealing with it or do you just kind of have to just ride it out, ignore it? What do you do? I don't suffer too much from self-doubt. I think even there's times where I've maybe not prepped as well as I want for a race and I think it's just believing in the year's worth of training that's led up to that. I mean, you might have had a couple of bad months, but I think all in all, touch would have been lucky with um, not having injury and not having big layoffs. Um, and obviously COVID, there was no... Um, tapering for races and no recovery time so I was just able to get consistent training in so I think even if a block of training doesn't go well it's just having that faith in the training that's been built up over the years that that'll be enough to stand you in good stead and I think ultimately I'd rather be undercooked than overcooked going into a race so it is just having a bit of self-belief and I think I think I'm able to manage that so while I might not be in physical shape that's the best, I think usually my mind's in quite a good place. That's a really powerful takeaway, that actually being, rather be undercooked than overcooked. I completely agree with you, Joe, and, and there's many times where I've been the other way, I've been the other side of it, you know, and because you think more is better. And we easy, it's easy to look at sessions almost a, a, through a microscope and, oh, this session, it didn't go to plan, and, oh, it's, it's the, all about this session, you know, perhaps for people listening to this now with their own goals. But it's that bigger picture when you talk about, well, overall, actually, look how consistent I've been. Look at the sessions I have done. Look at the sessions that have gone well. And that's it's that training cycle after training cycle after training cycle that leads you to goals further down the line, goals that you don't have even have in your mind right now. Everything you do today is helping the tomorrow and beyond. I think that's really powerful, actually. And it's hard. I don't know. Do you think it's hard for people to kind of be aware of that when they're in the moment you know cast your mind back to joe that doesn't have the experience you have now doing the marathon was it all about the marathon could you see beyond the marathon did you have that kind of blinkered oh my gosh you know this training session has not gone to plan or you know could can you relate to that i think i've always enjoyed the process and i'm probably a bit more conscious about paces and kind of how if my training isn't going great just now and i may be slightly off the mark I know that maybe my 5 and 10Ks times and maybe half marathon might be affected, but I think beyond that, the bigger the distance, the less that raw pace matters. Because for 24-hour running, I was going down that track, I think my average pace is about 10-minute mile in. So it's not fast, it's just keeping that steady pace. So I try, I try not let it get in my head. And I think you've just got to be confident that you've been adding like building those blocks and you've just you've just got to go with it uh pete knows this we, we have regular chats each week off the show obviously as good friends and knowing each other a long time and uh, guests just influence me all the time every time we, we speak to someone like yourself on the show i'm googling different events and it blows my mind when i speak to people like you that do these events like 24 hours i think and like you say oh you know the speed relatively speaking is not super quick like it would be if you were you know going for a marathon or 10k or whatever how how do you just keep going for that long how, how do you manage your mind to keep ticking over at 10 minutes per mile can you just come can you be blank in your mind or are you constantly thinking about things and if you are constantly thinking about things are they positive things do you have certain things that you have in your mind how do you manage it yeah i think ultimately you don't think about the whole 24 hours because that's a massive thing to try and process all at once and for me for it's sure. i started the 24 hours that i did in october there i started and i was really slow and I thought I ran with a girl Sinead who she runs with a guide runner and I just had such good chat with her we kind of wild away the first couple of hours so it was me her and her guide and she said oh you're going to be going far too slow or you're going to pull me along and I thought I'm happy with this pace and I just had to trust that people that were going past me would probably slow up 
but I could potentially maintain for longer. So it's just been set in your race plan and not letting other people's plans kind of influence your behaviour while you're racing. Um, and then we turned every four hours on the track, so you've kind of got that milestone. You think, right, that's four hours ticked off. Just get that, get rid of that. That's four done, 20 to go. And then through the night's a tough time and my friend had made up a playlist for me so I didn't know what was on it but it was all songs that kind of related to us when we go out running together because um, we've run a 24 hour race together, me and Iona and we'd kind of do a bit of karaoke and stuff so there was loads of songs she'd put on and it just took me back to good times we've had together and I was singing, I was enjoying myself and yeah, those times, I mean I'm telling you all the good stuff there was low points there was times when I didn't want to speak to anybody and I didn't even want music in, but it's just looking forward to the highs when you're doing something like that because there will be peaks and troughs, but you just got to ride the highs and just grind out the lows and that's it. Get- yeah, grind it out, man. That's it, And it's knowing it's going to pass as well. You know, we, we speak to people on the show that, that have mentioned this. Like Lots of different athletes have, have phrased this in different ways. Know that that feeling will pass at some point. I, I could relate to that. I ran with my girlfriend Martina at the weekend. We're training for Manchester Marathon in, in April. So we're in the thick of it now. You know, not long to go knocking on the door. You've got slightly longer with, obviously, Edinburgh the month later, isn't it, in May. Um, which is why you're looking a bit more relaxed than I am right now. But... <laughs> But we did a run and, and you just, you've got to go somewhere in your mind. And sometimes, you know, you turn a corner, you get battered by the wind and maybe the route isn't so like pleasurable if you're not running somewhere where you, you often run and you just think, oh, but then you know it's going to pass. It's going to pass. Just remind yourself it is going to pass. And, and sure enough, you'll feel okay again in a, in a moment or two. So having that mindset, it can help relax you, can't it? I think. Yeah. It just help you chill out. I get a lot a from having people there. Like that, that first marathon I did up in Loch Aber, my stepdad came up, my brother and my sister, and I didn't know all of them were coming and they've popped up on the route. And just, I just get so much from that. It's people being there, supporting me, cheering me on. It just, like, it's like a performance then. You think there's people here to see me. I need to, I need to do them proud. My godson came to my 24 hour track and he was there for the last two hours. And I thought, this little boy thinks that I'm running, he thinks I'm an Olympian because because he just thinks all runners are and I thought I can't let him down I need to keep running I cannot walk and I need to keep smiling so it's just having little things like that just to keep you driving on it's I just think it adds that little one percent that you might miss otherwise it gives me goosebumps hearing you say things like that I'm there with you on the track I mean fortunately I'm not for 24 hours (laughs) my gosh but yeah I, I can totally understand that that feeling I mean, I'm sure people can relate to that you know when they do a race and it, it, they, they go through a barren stretch where there's probably not much happening not many spectators are not feeling particularly great you turn a corner and then the crowd go wild and all of a sudden you, you look down at your watch and you're running slightly quicker than you were or considerably quicker for some people it just lifts you and gives you that kind of reignites your fire a little bit doesn't it stokes the fire and you need that you you do need that I'm really interested to know Joe, about your your working life and really the balance. You're a police officer. Are you a full-time police officer, first of all? And how does that impact your training? Yeah, so I'm lucky now that uh, I used to be out on the front line, so I would be working day shifts, back shifts, night shifts, um, which, to be honest, was sometimes helpful. I could get a lot of long runs in during the week. Um, I could run tired off a night shift, which is great training for an ultramarathon. But now I'm pretty much Monday to Friday, I'm office-based, so, and I can get out for a run at lunchtime. I'm really fortunate that role is not going to last forever, but while I'm in it, I'm making the most of it, and I really have, I'm able to sleep well, eat well, rest when I need to, and it, it's just working, the balance is good just now. It's all coming together for you, isn't it? And, and like you say, it's the other stuff, not just the running and the training, which is so easy again to focus on. We've mentioned that kind of microscopic view of, oh, this session really matters, but all the other stuff matters. Sleep is important. Nutrition, you know, a restful state of mind to be able to perform well in, in training and races. Food, you must be eating all the time. Are you organised with food, Joe? Do you, do you have kind of go-tos and stuff or do you, do you, do you track what you eat? I'm interested to know. <laughs> the stuff that you do. Yeah, uh, oh God. If you ask anyone at work, they're like, you're just always eating. And I generally do all grace all day. I'm hungry all the time. I'll eat the same food for tea as my husband and he's like, oh my God, I'm totally stuffed. And I'm like, I could eat that twice over. But 
like I'll never deny myself if I'm hungry I'll eat um, and likewise if I'm not hungry sometimes after a big session I maybe can't face food for a little while I get in what I need to get in and then I'll maybe have my my meal a few hours later but yeah generally I eat a lot I eat a lot of carbs I'll be honest um, that's that's usually my go-to I find it it's kind of worked for me until now but this is another area that we're going to be looking at in hour seven so I'll be having a chat with the nutritionist and just see what areas I can tweak maybe to to improve my performance um, even more so I'm a bit conscious that we've been chatting quite a while now if you, if you do need to just disappear off for a fig roll or something we, we honestly don't mind okay. are you alright you alright I'll struggle on I'll struggle on wow you're okay you're, you're a, a, you're on a trooper one, Joe. Joe you really are yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete, just keep your eye on Joe. If she looks like she's about to fade, all right, just jump in as producer of the show. Well, I'm actually. And we'll have a quick fig roll break. I'm in the kitchen, so I'm close. The food is close oh, by. That's okay. That's okay. Best room in the house. Best room in the house. Now, we, myself and my girlfriend Martina, I, I will be honest, we have rewards, uh, and often our rewards for long runs is food and going out for food. Do you have, do you reward yourself with food? So is there like, you know, what's your favourite meal? What are you, after a big training session or race is it something that you really look forward to or do you do you not really worry too much about that stuff yeah no i love pizza pizza although i probably have pizza two to three nights a week because i love it but every saturday is usually a long run day so myself and my friend diona and our friend derek we always meet on a saturday we do our long run and it always involves a post run lunch slash dinner um which is kind of the highlight of my week. I know that sounds quite sad. Most people's is going to the pub, but we have our long run somewhere lovely like the West Highland Way, and then we go for a nice, nice lunch or dinner, and uh, that's that's kind of my look forward to for the week. Joe, it's not sad. It's not dull. It's not boring. I'm totally with you. Totally on board with that. Totally on board with the pizza. The problem is, I can hear. I can hear all of my runners that I coach listening to this show now going, ask her the question. You've got to ask Joe the question. Now, I ought to explain, we do have a WhatsApp group for my runners. My girlfriend Martina is also in the group. She's Italian. Whenever I introduce a new member that I'm started working with coaching to the team in the group and I introduce them, this is Joe. Joe's training for this. <laughs> da, 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 da. Everybody, have, they've just taken upon themselves to ask this opening question, right? And I feel I must ask you this question. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Absolutely not. Be careful, it's been a good chat so far. No, yes. absolutely not. I am not, she passed I'm not the down with sweet corn on a pizza either. Ooh, I've not thought about that one. Yeah. I'm not up for it, but maybe I need to start asking my runners <laughs> that question, actually, when they join the group. I'm sorry, I know you want coaching, you want to talk about Edinburgh Marathon, that's fine. But first of all, sweet corn on a pizza, Just if you could just tell yeah. me it's part of the consultation process. Definitely really not the day before a long run, anyway. Bringing it back to your training, Joe. We've spoken about food, love the reward. Obviously, we've got to earn it, first of all. How many hours are you putting in of training, like, as an average? Do you work um, off Do you work off hours or do you work on mileage? Yeah, so I do have, I kind of have my mileage, which um, my mileage, probably in the grand scheme of ultra runners, is not that high. I maybe peak at about 80 miles a week, but sit between kind of 50 to 60 normally. So I'm kind of ramped up. I'm about 70 to 80 just now because the Anglo-Celtic plates the same weekend as Manchester, so I'm kind of in the thick of my training. Um, but on top of that, I will have uh, a couple of strength sessions a week. I also do yoga maybe three to four times a week, um, and I walk my dog quite a bit as well. So I'm kind of getting a lot of additional stuff on top of the running, um, quite active um, out with my running life. So, yeah, it's, it's not... It's not a huge amount of mileage. I know I'm saying that people will be saying, God, that is high mileage, but a lot of my other teammates maybe do between 100 and 120 miles a week, but it's too much for me. There's a couple of things I just want to ask you about, if I can, Joe. So you mentioned the walking there, and I am all for walking. I, I tell all of my runners, just walk as much as you can to a point, of course. You don't put unnecessary fatigue in the body, but it's just, I really believe it's so helpful. Do you really feel that that helps your training, getting some walking in? And how do you feel it helps? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Sunday is my rest day from running. Um, sometimes I juggle it about if I've got something on, but generally Sunday is my day where me, my husband and my dog will go somewhere and go for kind of six, seven mile walk. Um, it's kind of our time together as well, but so it's good for the mind, but it's nice. It's just, I'm not sitting about on my rest day. I'm kind of keeping the legs ticking over. And I think that just 
speeds up the recovery process and maybe about 20 miles a week walking. I do sometimes I'll finish a run too far away from home that I actually then need to walk home because I think I've done my running miles, 14 was on the plan, but I'm three miles from home. So I'll walk home and actually that just really cools me down and keeps my body moving, but it slows. So obviously I'm walking a bit slower. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just good recovery. You mentioned mileage and that your mileage is not, you know, overall volume is perhaps perhaps not super, super high compared to others, obviously depending on who you're comparing yourself with. Do you, is there an element of having faith in the process? Because with the stuff that you do is really long, isn't it? You know, the events are 24 hour stuff, the, um, the big events that you do. And yet if you're not covering that distance in training, is it just... Is it just blind faith? Because you know, you know the score. You're smiling as I ask you this, but there's lots of people that, oh, I've got to run 26 miles in training or I've got to run 20 miles for a marathon, otherwise I'm not going to know if I can do it and I panic. And Because I'm guessing you don't get anywhere near the distance that you cover on in a 24-hour event in one training session, yeah. right? I think it is just trusting trust that process and I think it, it doesn't come straight away. Obviously, if you're doing your first marathon, you want to do as much as you can, but years and years go by and you think right this is what I can get away with and it's not that you're doing the bare minimum but it's that you're doing enough but not too much because you don't want to tip that balance and then be overtrained going into the race but yeah I think sometimes it's maybe been selective about what races you have in the build up so if I had a chance to maybe run a 30 mile race uh, maybe even at like, maybe like a 50k I would probably do that um, maybe five or six weeks out from the 100k but there was no races so my coach put in a 50k run at 100k pace and I was able to go up I went up to actually run around the route in Perth and some of my friends came up and they were doing their own thing that day so yeah I think you just make it work Sorry did you say 50k for a 100k training session? Yeah so that was my high, so 50- highest one and then I'm kind of sure. dropped down the week, the weekend mileage has maybe come down to about 25 miles so but isn't it really interesting because this is in one one training session I guess you're saying you went up to a max of 50k for a 100k event right that's like somebody running 30 miles and then going and doing a marathon and you can imagine the sheer panic uh, I probably would have panicked before and I'm sure you would have done back when you first did your marathon but it just shows that actually, while I'm not saying go and run 30 miles if you want to do a marathon, but I think actually there is a bit of faith in the process and all your sessions coming together, trusting the process. You mentioned that before earlier in the chat. And just look at everything. Look at the big picture. Take a step back. How far have you come? You know, how many training sessions have you done overall? How many years have you been training? It's not just about that one session that you do. You know, oh, I've ran 90K in training, bloody killed myself. So now I'm fairly confident I can go and do 100K. You know, it doesn't work like that. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure pleasure chatting with you today i really could talk to you all day we must get you back on the show we we simply bust but i just want to know the future how's it looking for you let's end on a big fat positive what you got coming up long term i'm talking surprisingly i managed to i've qualified um once the standards come come out i should have qualified for the 100k world champs and i've also got a qualifier for the 24 hour champs as well so i have a choice to make which is quite a nice choice but Ultimately, I think this year I'd like to go to the 100k world champs if selected and then maybe next year the 24-hour world champs as well. So, yeah, that's kind of wow. the next couple of years sorted for me. Don't forget about Edinburgh. You've got to do Edinburgh as well, of yes. course. Don't miss that. <laughs> yeah. are, you, are, you, are you going for the sub three? Are you, you going to go for it? Yeah, I mean, go hard or go home. I've got to. There you go. That's it. I'm getting that on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> really enjoyed the podcast. Go hard or go home. And do you, would you adapt to the weather conditions? And we spoke about weather, and you're up for it no matter what. But would you adjust on the day of Edinburgh if if you, you know, thought this is not the best weather for attempting sub three? Or would you just think, well, let's just have a go? Yeah, I'd probably have a go. Um, Edinburgh's out and back there's a dog leg section so Mm. if I've got the wind in my face going one way I'm going to have it behind me so hopefully it'll balance out the the pace Um, but yeah I think I just need to go for it because I don't know when I'll manage to get another one so it's now or never and if I'm not mistaken the Edinburgh it's it's downhill initially isn't it slightly yeah that's right yeah downhill it's it's got it's pretty flat to be honest in the main but there is 
a gradual kind of climb up to the turning point but then it's pretty downhill sure. all the way to the finish which is funny isn't it because you kind of want to go for it in the start to, to a to a point you know allow yourself to kind of go with the downhill like some people i know kind of hold themselves back because they've got this average pace they want to hit but if you're starting off downhill you you, you kind of need to run a little bit on, on effort there and, and in that situation you sort of can bank a little bit of time <laughs> well look i wish you all the luck in the world i hope you enjoy it i'm sure you will i hope you smash it you know, come on, come on. You listen to the episode with Damo. If you listen to the end, I'm sorry if you did, you, you must know there's another question. We've got one more question for you. I did listen to it all, but I'm like, God, what was that final question? <laughs> oh, not the final question. <laughs> I know, I, oh, you could have revised. You could have taken it as a moment of revision, but oh, instead you forgot. I thought it was super organised. <laughs> You're just as bad as Damien. <laughs> <laughs> He's rubbing off on me. <laughs> There's, there's been so much positivity from you today, Joe, that I, I, I feel we don't really need to ask you this question. I feel like I've already answered it, but I'm going to do it anyway. We have a format to follow, so here we go. Right, you ready? You ready? Otherwise, the board will be very disappointed, so here we go. Joe, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. We have one final question for you. We do ask all of our guests this question. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. What does the word motivation mean to you? It means getting out even when you don't want to. Come on! And there we go. <laughs> go hard or go home. <laughs> Joe, it's been awesome. Have a great rest of the week. Catch up soon. Thank you. Cheers. Running with Jake, the podcast. Do you know one of the things I'm really looking forward to in Manchester? Beer. I really hope I get the chance to cross paths with some of the guests that we've had on the show. So we had Holly Stables on recently, who's going to be in Manchester Marathon. Obviously, we've had Joe on. It's and, and there's so many people I know that are doing Manchester that I've either either not met or haven't seen for a long time. I just it's the social aspect of it as well. You mentioned beer, but that definitely plays a part, Pete. Just being around people. And you know, I've always said this this even way before I was a running coach or podcast host or anything like that. I just ran for me and for fitness and wellness and did events. I love the whole experience of the race weekend particularly things like marathons because of the magnitude of them they're a big thing you're training for a long time so it kind of matters a little bit more in your mind i feel you don't just kind of rock up and do it whereas you can with kind of 5k's and 10k's a little more so if you typically run you're pretty consistent but i love the whole weekend it's very very important that not just about that race on the sunday morning you're going to have a great time being part of it pete i I can't wait this is going to be awesome man it's going to be yeah awesome I mean, you mentioned the importance of the human element and um, and the fact that, you know, as humans, we're drawn to other humans and that's just the most important thing, except for beer. So I stick with my original answer, please. Beer. And now it's time to take another one of your questions. It is hashtag AskJake. Today's question comes from Beth, who is taking part in her first marathon in April and she's heard that the race starts at 20 miles and she wants to know what I think, if that's true. Beth, I think there is a lot of truth in that statement. We hear it quite a lot. In a marathon, the race begins at 20 miles. And I think what people are really sort of getting at here and referring to is the fact that it's such a long distance that it's so easy to take too much out of the body early on in a marathon. And then when you get to the later stages, that could be 18, 19, 20, 21 miles, when the going really gets tough, which it inevitably will, that's where you could potentially come Unstuck. So just having that in mind and almost cruising, for want of a better word, to 20 miles, making sure you don't break yourself in the first three quarters of the race, I think can really help you. Don't panic. You're going to be amazing. Go and get that medal. If you've got a question, it's hashtag AskJake, or you can drop me an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com. That's it for today's show. I hope you have enjoyed another episode of Running With Jake, the podcast. We will be back next week for the tapering special we've mentioned it lots today next week on the show we're going to dive deep into tapering massively important want to give you some tips some tricks some thoughts some strategies to help you get the most out of whatever race it is you're working towards make sure you don't miss that rather than call it the tapering special can we please call it the whiskey and cigar special (laughs) i think we'll get more listeners (laughs) i think you're right i think you're right the downloads (laughs) would go through the roof it's all about the title isn't it it's all about the title it is it's all about the title well to make sure you never miss an episode just make sure you hit subscribe on whichever app you use to listen to your podcast and we will be back next week for whiskey cigars oh and tapering we're definitely going to talk about tapering (laughs) oh and one more thing you have been assigned this mountain 
to show others that it can be moved. Moved.